So I, uh, well, I didn't burn down a forest. I was an accomplice in. As your somewhere. lawyer, before you go any further, yes. is this uh, is this more than five years ago? Yeah, the the statute of limitations. I believe I'm. Protecting. And say also allegedly, allegedly, yes. you were an accomplice to burn down a forest. Yeah, yeah. Nothing's been proven. Uh, I was really young. I mean, I have like almost, you know, when you're so young, you have like flash memories of things. I can't quite remember the whole thing. But I mean, I was in grade school. I I mean, I was talking and shit. It was probably maybe middle school, maybe. How old are you in middle school? Like 11. Okay, that's probably how old I was. So my cousin, he was was up to no good. He was always doing, always getting in trouble, always doing. And he was like four or five. Four years older than me, maybe. So maybe. he was probably like 14, 15 at the time. Yeah, yeah. And he was just always getting into trouble. And one day we were at his house. And his house was next to kind of this small little forest area that we would go play in. And uh, one day we were in the, the woods and he had a book of matches. And he just started. He had a, I think he had a magazine, too. And he put the magazine down. But there was a lot of dry leaves, too. This was in the fall. Oh, shit. And he started lighting matches and just dropping them on the the leaves for no reason. Just like he was just a pyromaniac. And uh, he drops one after, you know, he does it a few times. and They they mainly go out. And then he drops one. And all of a sudden, um, all of a sudden, the leaves set on fire. But I'm talking like they set on fire fast. Like it's just like. And it starts spreading. So we start running because it. when I'm saying it's spreading, it spread fast. And so we both started running because we're like, holy shit. So we run back into his house and in his house, his mom and my mom are sitting on a couch and the couch right behind it is this big window that looks out at the forest. And <laughs> as we're standing in front of this couch, uh, you know, they're asking us like, oh, what have you been up to? And we're like, oh, we've just been playing and stuff. But I'm literally watching the forest burn and when i say burn i mean the tops of trees are on fire it's like looking at the apocalypse right behind my mom and i remember i'm sweating because i'm like don't look behind you don't look behind you which obviously they're gonna find out but i'm so young that i'm like they won't notice yeah yeah i'm just like if we pretend it's not happening then it's not happening but uh anyway so i think his mom ended up turning around she's like holy shit and I can't remember how they found out it was uh, my cousin. I probably ratted him out because I was so young. You know what I mean? They probably cornered me and they were like, you know, well, let's make a deal. And I was probably just like, Ryan did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I remember I, I was so young, I actually didn't get in trouble for it. He he did get in trouble for it. The fire department came. Down. Oh, shit. I'm talking not just one fire truck, multiple fire trucks. This was a major forest fire. <laughs> so they put it out. And I remember my cousin had to go to some class at the fire department where they were teaching him like the dangers of setting forest fires and stuff. You have a delinquent history, dude. Yeah. Yeah. But again, I, I was so young. I was just, you know, I was along for the ride. What, what was I going to do? You were the, you were supposed to be the Patsy. I was the Patsy. Yeah. I, I was the Patsy, but never again after that, after that, when I committed a crime, I'm committing the crime. Other people are my Patsies. After that, I learned my fucking lesson. Broadcasting straight from Big Rock Candy Mountain. I'm Zachary Lehman. And I'm Taylor Berryman. How can people find you, Taylor? 
You can find me on Instagram as the underscore poptimist and also for a couple more hours on Parlor as the poptimist mm. and then Facebook as just my name. I'm on Facebook and uh, Instagram, just Zachary Lehman. And then uh, uh, while it's still there, I'm on Twitter <laughs> at writing Lehman. <laughs> but that that account's quickly disappearing. <laughs> um, and you can also follow the podcast on social media. We're on Facebook, yeah. Twitter, Instagram, Instagram, everything. Um, so this week we're talking about a show that just ended its second season. Yeah. The Mandalorian. Yes. Great show. Good old Mando. Good piece of pop culture. Mm-hmm. So uh, this show, because we're going to talk about uh, season one, episode six, chapter six, called The Prisoner. And we'll, we'll reveal why we're talking about it, because we have a good fucking reason. Um, but before we get into that, d- let me just give a brief overview of the show, and then we'll talk about some other stuff. So basically, the show follows a Mandalorian, who's like a Boba Fett type character, basically a mercenary who belongs it, to a religious sect. It's of, a creed. Yeah, it's a creed. Um, and basically at the beginning, Werner Herzog wants him to go steal this uh, baby. He doesn't know it's a baby, finds out it's a baby. Cute baby ass, Yoda. Cute ass baby Yoda. Sweeping the nation, the only thing to unify Democrats, Republicans, yeah. Trump supporters, I, I, and let, BLM. Let me, I want to make my position on baby Yoda very clear. I fucking love Baby Yoda. Yeah, Baby Yoda's you know cute what? as fuck, dude. I'm cynical as fuck, but anyone who doesn't like Baby Yoda, that's a level of cynicism. I, I can't go that far with you. To me, it, it equates to racism. You know what I mean? It's just like I can't follow you there. There's no logical journey for me to meet you there. So anyway, basically, he breaks his his oath because his oath is always you get a job, you finish the job. And he ends up protecting Baby Yoda. That's what the show's about. It's basically a Western, you know? Um, and one of the things... I love about this show, and we can, we can talk about actually a little bit Star Wars and our background with Star Wars, because Star Wars is obviously, whether you like it or not, I mean, it's one of the biggest cultural stories we have. I mean, oh yeah, you can't even, argue, at this point, I mean, it's up there with Shakespeare. Maybe not as good, but it's as significant. Mm-hmm. Um, so this show, John Favreau created it, and basically what he said about the show, and I think this is why I've dug this more than any of the other new Star Wars things that have happened, He basically said he didn't want to be influenced by Star Wars specifically. He wanted to look at the things that inspired George Lucas with Star Wars. And George Lucas was, at this point, I mean, it's well known, the stuff that influenced him. It was a lot of like Westerns, a lot of uh, Japanese samurai films, a lot of radio serials. Yes. And I think that's why this sets itself apart from everything else, because it's not influenced by whatever outside agendas there are. It's not influenced by this is what I think Star Wars is. It goes back to the basics. It's a small story. Yep. So when was the first time you saw Star Wars? What's your background? Because you had to be a fan. Everyone everyone was a fan. I saw Star Wars when I was like A New Hope when I was four or five. I had all the toys. Me too. I flipped the fuck out whenever The Phantom Menace came out. I was so excited. I saw the Clone War in theaters. Because those were our Star Wars movies. The prequels, really. People love to hit on the prequels, but I honestly, I like the prequels. The way I view the prequels, I mean, I haven't rewatched them, but when I was a kid, I mean, I had a good-ass time watching them. Mm -hmm. I saw, I don't think I saw Phantom Menace in theaters, but I did see Attack of the Clones and then Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, same And I mean, Revenge of the Sith was fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, it was good. Don't jump, Anakin. I got the higher ground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I feel like that's that was a big... I don't want to step on any toes here, but 
to me, Star Wars was really important to a certain generation. And I think a lot of it was like, it's like men. And when they have sons, it's almost like a ritual to be like, hey, yeah. here's Star Wars. And I'm not saying there aren't female Star Wars fans. There obviously are a lot. I'm just talking from my experience. Yeah. So we all kind of had that. Like my dad, I remember the two things he showed me that he loved when he was a kid. He had uh, the VHS tapes of Star Wars and the VHS tapes of Batman. And for some reason, those were like both like so significant to him growing up. Like Batman, he would have been a young man, but he had to show me those. Those are the two things that were like, you got to watch this, you know? Um, so I was probably about the same age as you. Mm-hmm. And of course I went through my phase and I saw the prequels by the time the prequels came out. I wasn't like buying the toys or anything, but I uh, still was. But now what do you think of all this new star Wars stuff? The films. Let's go with the films. What so I was very excited for the force awakens and the build up leading to it. I was pumped. I yeah. saw that in theaters opening night, mm-hmm. but it was good, but it's really just like, oh, this is a new hope, but with a chick. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but... No, I mean, as we see on Mandalorian, there's a lot of badass chicks on this Yeah, show. absolutely. There's some fucking... Gina Carano. Gina Carano. There's some great ones in season two, too. Rosario Dawson comes in. Nice. Um, yeah, I haven't been big on them because they've just felt... Uh, they just feel lost. They just feel like... They're either trying to make some point that has nothing to do with the story or they're really relying heavily on nostalgia, which yeah. I'm not like. I don't like that either. I'm it, not big on. It's just a, a lack of creativity and it shows something like Mandalorian where they had more creative freedom because it was the first was, thing of its kind. Yeah, we should say that it feels like Mando got to do a lot differently because it came along and it wasn't the most significant thing they were doing. So they were kind of, they felt like they just told John Favreau, I mean, you got eight episodes, do whatever you want, you know, but it shows, I mean, now they're not really making the movies as much. I mean, they just announced a few new ones, but it's not really the mainline story anymore. And now they're really focused on Mando type shows because you got Boba Fett series coming out. You got the Ewan McGregor Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan series, series which which is, it's going to be good, dude. I think it's going to be good. Ewan McGregor was a great obi-wan kenobi in the prequels yeah. he was the best part of the prequels in my opinion oh even when i was a kid he was my favorite dude yeah why do you think i got a beard bro i love that beard um yeah the new movies my, my i've only seen bits and pieces of most of them the one that i actually did dig was the one everyone hated solo i was into that one i saw that in theaters i, I liked it okay i thought it was pretty good woody harrelson was good yeah donald glover Don Glover, yep, yeah, he was great. He was great. I, I hope I hope he had he, a weird sexual relationship with the robot. I didn't like that. I thought that was just dumb. But yeah, I, I hope he comes back as his character. I hope um, uh, the guy who played Han, I think it was Alden Ehrenreich or something. I thought he was great too. He was good. He was good. He's as good of a job you could do. That was the one I liked because it felt like, oh, this is what I loved about Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like this young, this young cocky guy who's not as great as he thinks he is. And he's coming into his own, discovering the world. And I, I don't know. I like that one. What about you, Milhouse? You like the because we should say uh, we had a conversation with Milhouse. We'll, we'll, we'll make this brief. But uh, Milhouse was a huge Star Wars fan when it, he was a kid. It was a big part of my childhood. It was probably the biggest part of my childhood, honestly, is watching Star Wars. I had it on VHS. What kind know. of Star Wars merch did you have? I had a lot of stuff, man. I had a lot of action figures. had a lot of lightsabers. Uh, what kind of lightsabers? Little, pl- little plastic ones? I, I had a plastic I had, one. I had, I had some plastic ones that you fling out, you know. You also had some 
I had some nice ones, some expensive ones that were. How expensive? You know, like three hundred dollars a piece. A piece. Oh. Um, but they were, you know, that was that was a different part of of me back then. But I I really really liked. I had a lot of Lego sets too for Star Wars. I had a lot of Star Wars Legos. I had a ton. That was probably my favorite toy when I was a kid with Star Wars Legos. Legos I had, yeah, I loved Legos. So. Do you have a Millennium Falcon? No, That's I was too I was one. too poor for you that. One? Yeah, I did. I had a Republic Attack Cruiser too. Oh. All right, so actually, Milhouse, I'm going to ask you this because Taylor and I are we do watch Mandalorian. Yes. You weirdly avoid it because you have this dark past that's tied in with Fat Millhouse. I understand. <laughs> so Star Wars is almost an addiction you're avoiding, but you're clearly a nerd. So if we have a question, you got to yeah. help us out. Okay. So the Mandalorian, uh, the the as far as the TV series go, it's not the first time he's ever been in Star Wars. And I don't think people know that. Because he was in, like, books or something, No, right? well, yeah. He that was, character was? Yeah. I don't know if that character specifically. But I think Mandal- just the Mandalorians in general. The Mandalorians in general have been in Star Wars for a while. Well, but, Boba Fett. Yeah, not just that, too. So, Boba Fett's in the show. Uh, I should say the spoilers for season two. He's not a Mandalorian. Yeah. So, the... Anymore? The Mandalorian... He says he never was. ...was in the Clone Wars animated series, which went on for, like, a ton of years. <laughs> I want to punch him so bad. I want to throw him in a locker. <laughs> but this is good, Milhouse. This is stuff we don't know. It, okay, well, so. No, it was the character of the Mandalorian. Okay. He was in the Clone Wars animated. It is this character? Yeah. So he's like a sure. gun, gunslinger yeah, kind he's of? He's like a gunslinger, kind of like a bounty hunter. Well, this uh, this plays into this episode, too. But, but he's only in one episode. Okay. I think it's like season four. All right. Good background. We should also say that this takes place after the Return of the Jedi and before the Force Awakens. Yeah, that's so. How the I Empire has fallen. Yes, and but they've like kind of freshly fallen. Yes, that's so there's there's a power vacuum mm-hmm. in the galaxy now, and it's kind of a lawless place. Yeah. So, you want to get right into the episode? Let's do it. And Milhouse, jump in with nerd stuff if you need to. If you got to call us out. Don't shake your head. Do what I say. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Stop avoiding. Who First you are. thing I want to talk about yes. uh, for the Mandalorian is the theme music, it, which is brilliant. Yeah, the composer is Ludwig Göransson, mm-hmm. and you might know him from producer for Childish Gambino. He also did the music for Community, like the score music for the TV show, mm-hmm. and he also did Tenet. Is oh, he mo- did Tenet? His most recent soundtrack work. That completely makes sense. Yeah, yeah the, the theme music for this, very, um, I want to say spaghetti western-ish, but it's a play on it. It's kind of a mix of a lot of different for uh, sure. themes. It's very representative of the show, though. Yes, absolutely. He's and just he, throwing, there's so many different instruments he's throwing in, a lot of like mm-hmm. wood instruments. It's very... A full 70-piece orchestra yep. was used to record the song. When he was writing it, he said he just started off playing a recorder, and that's what that sound is at the beginning. Yeah, isn't that incredible? It's just a recorder. It, 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 it's the way, you know, he, he said it was like uh, meditation mm-hmm. doing it, making the track. And he also wanted to pay tribute to all the great themes and scores from the history of star wars Mm -hmm. yeah it's uh it's it's pretty it's it speaks to how good it is that like one thing you can't deny about the original star wars is that john williams score is fucking other level i mean if you take away the john williams score i don't know if star wars is as great as we think it is interesting (laughs) that music i think 
I'm not a big uh, film. Uh, I'm not big on film composition because most movies I'm kind of like the music's a little distracting. But I think Star Wars is the one movie you can point to where you're like, this improves it. This improves it by a significant amount. Well, it, it always starts the same. You know, there's that the the main theme for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And Start then there's small, all, yeah, it's kind of big, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying he had big shoes to fill, and he fucking filled them because this is probably one of the best uh, themes I've heard for a TV show. For sure, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah for be, sure, it it sets the tone and the mood for the world too. Totally, totally. I don't skip the theme song every time it plays. Oh I, no, I play it. It's, yeah. it's like part of the ritual of watching. Yeah, that that it's like uh, another show that was like that was uh, Game of Thrones had a great theme, which Game of Thrones fucked that show last season sucked, but. I would never skip the intro because it'd be like, it just gets you in the mood. Like you're taking a, you're just like, it's like you just took your first hit of weed, you know, and you're like, oh shit, it's happening, you know? So I love the theme music. Well, that, the, the original movies that are every single one of the movies, it's, it starts off the same. Mm-hmm. So it's, it has that, that mood. Yeah. That very same ritual. Very mm-hmm. ritual. Um, so yeah, this episode, uh, episode six of season one, chapter six, and it's called The Prisoner. So just for background up to this episode, like we said, he has baby Yoda, but he's running low on funds because he's been kicked out of the bounty hunter guild for his actions. And he's trying to reunite baby Yoda with his own kind. Baby Yoda gets a name, by the way, in season two. I won't spoil it. Or you want me to spoil it? Spoil it. Grogu. Grogu? Yeah. I know. I I like baby Yoda better. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just going to say baby Yoda. (laughs) Just say baby Yoda. So anyway, he's running a little low on funds. As it opens up, he reaches out to an old friend who they call uh, Ran. And played by, I, I actually don't know the, I'll look up the actor's name in a second. But anyway. Uh, Milhouse, can you look it up? Yeah, just go to the prisoner, uh, Mandalorian IMDb. So he meets with this guy, Ran, and we get a little more background on uh, the Mandalorian. So what Milhouse was saying actually makes a little sense because we find out he used to run with this guy and do jobs with him. And we find out the Mandalorian might have been a little ruthless back in the day. So he, because this guy mentions it, so he says he has a job for the Mandalorian. He's like, I need a a fifth person for this job. Or no, a fourth person for this job, excuse me. He mainly wants his ship because, like we said, uh, the Empire just fell and the Mandalorian has this ship that's basically not up to code. It can't be tracked by the... uh, The Republic. Is that what it is, Milhouse? The Republic and the the Empire. The the New Republic. So basically it's this old ship that can't be tracked because the job is they have to go to a New Republic prison ship and break out a prisoner. That's the job. So it's a prison break. Mark Boone. Mm -hmm. He's been in a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, He looks familiar. Great actor. Um, And we're introduced. One of the people on the team is... Who is it? Just checking in on you. (laughs) Bill Burr. Bill motherfucking Burr. Which... (laughs) He's talked a lot of shit about Star Wars. Well, 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 let's be fair. He's talked shit about Star Wars in the way that, like, we have. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, but the fact that they put Bill Burr in anything Star Wars makes me... It's a sh- troll, dude. It makes me so goddamn happy. And the best thing about... He plays a character named Mayfield, by the way, who also comes back in season two. He gets a great episode where you find out more about him. Because he used to work for the Empire. He was a soldier. Mm-hmm. He was a former uh, sharpshooter, right? Yeah, he actually says to the Mandalorian, because uh, <laughs> Rand goes, oh, he used to work for the Empire. He's like, that's not saying much. And <laughs> Bill Burr and Bill Burr style, he's like, I wasn't a stormtrooper wise ass. Yeah. <laughs> Which, A, probably the first time wise ass has ever been used in anything Star Wars. Well, yeah, for sure. That's what I love about Bill Burr's role, is he refuses to conform 
to he's still Bill Star Burr. Wars. Yeah. <laughs> he is still a ginger from the East Coast. Yeah. You know what I mean? I imagine his home planet is just Boston <laughs> yeah. and, and it's everything Boston, just and it's winter year round. Yeah. And everyone's just an asshole. And they're like, miserable. It's just the East Coast. That makes me so happy that in Star Wars, there may be a planet that's just Boston <laughs> with just angry gingers running around. So Bill Burr plays uh, Mayfield. There's some tension between him and and uh, the Mandalorian. And we should, uh, another thing, well, first I'll say the other two people are Berg is another member of the group played by Clancy Brown. Is that correct? Look that up for me. Oh, shit. Is he the one from... Uh... Shawshank, baby. Oh, shit. Oh, he was like the muscle? Yeah, this motherfucker's about to have an accident. Oh, <laughs> damn. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was Clancy Brown. I really hope I'm not wrong. And then there was also, uh, there's a girl named Shion, I believe her name mm-hmm. is. And she knows the Mandalorian Yes, it sounds like they've had... Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown, that nice. motherfucker. Also from Highlander. There can be only one. I've never seen Highlander. And Krusty Krab. He's crust. Uh, what, what's... Mr. Krabs, sorry. He's Mr. Krabs? Yeah, he's Mr. Krabs. Dude, no Clancy way, Brown is the man. Is he Mr. Prove Krabs? Prove I'm right, Milhouse. Prove I'm right, because I know I'm right. Clancy Brown is yes. like... Oh, <laughs> shit. Wow. Clancy Brown is uh, most underrated. Maybe one of the most underrated. He's in Shawshank. Yep. Yeah, we yes. missed that. Okay. Uh, so anyway, these are the other members of this group. Sheon, yeah, it sounds like he has a romantic past with her. And actually, something I'm going to say, I'm going to deep dive, because this is my second time watching this. Later, when they're on the ship... They start giving the Mandalorian... Oh, and there's also Zero. So it is a five-person The robot. The droid. We should say the Mandalorian hates droids. While uh, Zero's flying the ship, the Mandalorian's getting some shit from Berg and Shion and and Mayfield. And it's kind of implied that maybe he was fucking around with Shion. But to fuck around with her, he would have had to break one of his oaths, which is you never take your helmet off in front of someone else. Yes. And they ask her, did he ever take his helmet off? And she goes, a lady never tells. Now, this is actually, as the show goes on, you find out that the Mandalorians are basically, they're like aggressive Scientologists. It's a its a religion. Yeah. And everyone else views that religion as insanity. But they're also dangerous. But if they're bringing up that he might have fucked around with this girl and he used to basically just, like, kill people. Because he, uh, uh, the guy at the beginning ran, he says, you know, I asked him what did he get out of it one time and he just said target practice. It tells me that the Mandalorian was not always the guy we see. There was probably a time in his life when he was breaking a lot of his oaths. And then he became almost like a born-again Christian at one point. Interesting. And became rededicated to it. And And that that was how he got over a lot of his maybe addictions or faults. And now this is him breaking away from being that that cutthroat. Baby Yoda is basically his way back to being a human being. So is he a anti-hero or a romantic hero? I would say romantic hero. I don't think he's... There are moments he's an anti-hero, I would definitely say. Because he's very hyper... He's And again, this is spaghetti western-ish of this. Mm-hmm. He's hyper-focused on one thing. Like, he will protect this baby, but everything else, I don't give a fuck. So he's basically hiding baby Yoda from these people. And at one point, they're kind of arguing, and Berg tries to take off his helmet, and they find baby Yoda. Because they get into a scuffle, and it... He knocks Berg down, and Berg hits the the place where ba- he had baby. It's basically Yoda like a door. It's a little storage yeah. space, and they don't know what it is. They just think. It's, and Bill Burr says, "Is that a pet or something?" Yeah, is that a pet or something? And he goes, "Yeah, sort of." So anyway, they don't really fuck with Baby Yoda, but he's but Baby Yoda. There is a price on Mando's head and the baby's head, so that's why he's trying to keep it secret. 
So they land on uh, this prison ship and they got this, you know, the bay door they got to go through. And it's kind of funny. Mando opens it and Bill Burr gets a Bill Burr moment where they're trying to figure out who goes in first and they're all quiet. And Bill Burr goes, me? Burr's just like, always you. <laughs> <laughs> so they get in there. They're trying to go to uh, the control room. At one point, they are attacked by they're attacked by droids. And we get a badass. Mandalorian has some great fucking action. Oh, yeah. So basically, they're attacked by droids. And Mando disappears for a second. Bill Burr's like, I knew it. Like, he's a coward. Well, what I like about the the character of Mandalorian 2, it's like he can get knocked down, he can get beat up, and nothing seems to keep him down. Yeah, he's not. He's. It's almost like he has this invincible presence where he always comes out of the shadows and gets the bad guy. He's very much like a Clint Eastwood man with no name type character because he's not always the toughest guy in the room, and he gets the shit kicked out of him in this show, but he never gives up, you know yeah. what I mean? So he disappears for a second, you know, Bill Burr's like, I knew it, like he's a coward. But he shows up behind the droids and just starts kicking ass. And, of course, Mayfield, Berg, Shion, no one helps him. Because I think they basically are just like, we just want to ship anyway. Let this guy die. Best kill of the episode, he's got that wire thing that comes out of his wrist. And it goes around the droid's head and he just pulls it and he mm-hmm. fucking decapitates the fuck. That was awesome. So uh, there's that big fight scene. They don't help him. Which we should say, for him being part of this team... He's doing a lot of the work. It's a, a little suspicious how little they like him and are willing to work with him. But it also shows how desperate he is for this money. Because he says in an earlier episode, basically, he's like, I can't keep flying... Which is great that they bring this reality in. He's like, I can't keep flying around the fucking galaxy. Like, you know, gas costs money. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So they make it to the control room. Bill Burr gets another Bill Burr moment. Where he just walks in. Because there's this one guy there. And Mando says... A Republic guard. Yeah. A prison guard. Mando says, "There's I thought they were only supposed to be droids. Because he doesn't want to kill anybody. And Bill Burr just starts walking around. This guy's like, nice shoes. You know, matches his belt. He's just being Bill Burr, which I love. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's almost acting in his own show. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone else is in Star Wars. But it somehow works. Uh, we find out this guy has a tracking beacon. And if he hits it, a bunch of... Uh, what, Republic soldiers? Is that okay to they're say? Gonna, they're going to uh, descend upon the, the ship. Yeah, they'll basically be there in like 20 minutes. Yeah. So Mando's trying to talk to this guy. He doesn't want to kill him. Yeah, because he's like, listen, you can leave with your life. And Bill Burr's like, no, he can't. Fuck that. And then it ends up, it's a standoff. A, a Mexican standoff. It's a Mexican standoff where they're pointing guns at this guy and at Mando. And Bill Burr's got a gun on it. Like, it's just a Mexican standoff with everyone. Shion jumps in, kills the guy, throws a knife. Turns out he hit the fucking tracking beacon. So they have 20 minutes to get where they need to go to get this prisoner. So they find the prisoner and it's. I don't know what it what was his name. Quinn. Quinn. Shion's brother. Yes. And Quinn says something about this is another thing I like about Mando is even though they get into his past, it's never like exposition bullshit. Cause, excuse me. Because Quinn does say uh, the guy who left me behind is now my savior. But it's never explained what Mando did to this guy, but he obviously betrayed him. They have they have a past. Yeah. So, But as they're leaving uh, the room, uh, Berg kicks the Mandalorian, and he gets locked in this cell. How does he get out of the cell, by the way? He uh, he I waits forgot. for uh, a droid to come by, and he, he like uses his wrist thing and pulls mm-hmm. the droid to the, uh, the door, mm-hmm. and he takes off his arm, and then he just unlocks it from the inside. Okay, yeah. With so his arm. He does get out. 
And he's smart because he goes right back to the control room instead of going to the ship. Starts shutting everything starts down. Starts shutting doors. So he's basically driving these guys where he wants them to go, and he separates them. So Shion is with Berg, and then Mayfield is with Quinn. And so they make a plan. They're like, okay, Berg and Shion, go find the Mandalorian and kill him. But Quinn on the other side is like, to Mayfield, he's like, I'll give you their shares if you just get me to the ship and get me out of here. He doesn't give a fuck that his sister's probably going to die or go to prison the rest of her life. So Mando, we get some more good fight scenes. By the way, I should say, one of the things I like about this episode, it's just kind of a classic heist episode. Yeah. You know what I mean? And well, it's a prison break. Yeah. It's like a, you know, Ocean's Eleven t- style thing in space, which I like. And then at the end, it kind of becomes a horror movie because Mando's yeah. hunting them down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because all those, the lights change. It's all like red. red. Yeah. And there's a lot of shadows and Mando's always coming out of the shadows. So first he fights Berg. Berg comes at him, you know, he's kicking his ass and then he gets stuck in like a bay door and he tries, uh, Mando tries closing it on him and Berg's too strong. Yeah. He just lifts it and and then Mando closes a second door, which I thought killed Berg, but spoiler, Berg is alive later. Yeah. I will say Mando's pretty handy with doors because in the first episode, he also splits a man that in half. That was badass in the first episode. That was when, when that happened in the first episode, I was like, okay, I'm into this. Yeah. Because I didn't think I was going to be because I was like, eh, you know, I'm kind of disappointed. Well, it just Wars. showed he kind of floats between t- two sides. Yeah. So, uh, so he, he faces off with Berg. Then he finds Shion. He has a fight with Shion. And we should say Zero Two back, the droid back on the ship. He also finds Baby Yoda. So we're cutting back and forth. And he's he's going to kill Baby Yoda for whatever reason. Because he's an asshole. Because he wants some money because the thing of... Oh, that's right. Carl Weathers pops up and he knows who Baby Yoda is. That's right. Mm-hmm. So he's going to kill Baby Yoda. So we get some great fight scenes. Again, I love the lighting. Just like it's red and there's shadows and they do it so fucking well. So Shion, she gets fucked up too. And then eventually he gets to... Oh, he goes after Mayfield next, right? Yep. And then I love Bill Burr has a great moment where he's basically, he's kind of just looking around scared with his little blaster. And he doesn't even get a fight scene. He basically is just like, he knows Mando's behind him. And before he can turn around, he just goes, no! (laughs) (laughs) Poor Bill Burr. Uh, So then Mando gets to uh, Quinn, the guy they broke out. And Quinn is like, look, man, it's, if you take me back, like, I'll make sure you get paid. And you're a Mandalorian. Your, Your creed is if you take a job, you have to finish it. Oh, by the way, Milhouse, can you look up who the director is of this episode? Because uh, the director did a great job. A lot yeah. of great directors on this show. Yeah. Um, Robert Rodriguez comes in later. Dave Filoni. John Favreau does a lot of them. Bryce Dallas Howard. Carl Weathers directed an episode. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, but yeah, anyway, he finds Quinn. We don't know what he's going to do with Quinn if he's going to kill him. I'm definitely going to mispronounce his last name, but it's Rick Famuyiwa. I knew who the director was. I just wanted to hear him say it because I didn't want to mispronounce it. <laughs> oh. What has he directed in the past? Uh, can you look that up, Milhouse? Because yes, okay. he he, uh, he has done some other stuff. Um, so, yeah, so he, he gets Mayfield. And, again, I love that it kind of turns into a horror movie. It's almost like Alien a little bit. You yeah. Know, they're being hunted yeah, kind down. Of, yeah. And he finds Quinn. Quinn's like, look, just take me back. We don't know what he's going to do with Quinn, but he does take him back to Rand. He goes back to this ship, and uh, he gets his money. Uh, Dope, the movie Dope in 2015, Uh The Wood in 1999, and Brown Sugar 2002. He's directed a bunch of stuff. I think Dope was a 
bigger one. Confirmation. Who is in Dope? I think Dope was a kind of an indie hit. Brown Sugar, too. Is that like uh, with Tay Diggs or something? Who is in Dope? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, who are the actors? Um, Drinking a Baja Blast, by the way. Shamik Moore. Tony Revolori. Was that one about kids? Yeah, it was about kids and, and skateboarding. Bond over '90s hip hop culture. Oh yeah, okay. Oh. I, I kind of remember that. Hey, who was in Brown Sugar? Look at Brown Sugar. I want to know about that. I want to know what's up with the Brown Sugar. What's up? Uh, Sanaa Lathan was in it. Uh, yeah, it's like a basketball Tate, thing, Tate right? Diggs contribute to friendship and love. Wow, that's a weird one to have in his background. Brown Sugar. Okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, it was about the birth of hip hop. Oh, okay. I, I seem to remember watching it, but that's funny. The Prisoner from the director of Brown Sugar. Hell yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, back to, to Quinn. He's talking to Quinn. We don't know what he's going to do. He takes him back. And he says to Ran, because uh, Ran before, is, he, he has that good line where he's like, just like the good old days. And he says it back to him after he gets his money. Leaves. Ran's immediately like, kill him. Oh, well, we should say he also killed the droid before he could kill Baby Yoda. Yeah, he killed he killed the droid. He asked what what happens to everybody, and he says, "No questions asked." Yeah, you know you like you know the rules because that's the number one rule at this mercenary hub or whatever is no questions asked. Because he asked him at the beginning, he's like, "Why isn't you? that isn't that like a Mandalorian thing? Is that a Mandalorian thing?" No, I, I I think that was this guy. He's yeah. like, "That's yeah. the protocol here. No questions asked." I don't know off the top of my well, head. Well, uh, it, it is kind of a Mandalorian thing because before when he's talking to Werner Herzog, who's great in this fucking show, yeah, he is asking about the baby, like what's going to happen with it, and Werner Herzog's like. I thought Mandalorians don't ask questions. I can't do a Werner's accent. We just learned that. So he takes him back. He's like, you know, no one else is with him, but he's like, no questions asked. That's the rule here. And he's like, yeah, that's the rule. Gets his money, leaves. Rand's like, kill him. And he's about to send. It was either like a missile or it was another ship that was going to go after him and kill him. But he left fucking Quinn with a tracking beacon that's been set off. The, the one that they set off back on the New mm-hmm. Republic prison ship. And Quinn's like, shit, what, what is this? And Rand starts freaking out because he's like, oh, fuck. And these X-Wing fighter jets, whatever they are, they come out of nowhere as man as the Mandalorian's passing them. Yep. And they see the, the gun or whatever, and they're like, all right, these guys are a threat. And they start just killing yeah. these motherfuckers. They blow up the, the gun ship that they were about to send out after the Mandalorian. So they were going to send it out after him yeah. anyways. And he was probably aware of that, which is true Western style, dude. This is like very yeah. Yeah. episodic. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It is very Western where it's like he somehow outsmarts them. Yeah. You know? It, again, it's not it, like if you watch those fucking, I'm telling you, watch those Clint Eastwood Spaghetti Westerns. It's never because he's the toughest guy. It's just because he's relentless. He doesn't give up. And at the end, he'll always find a way to just outsmart him, you know, to outlast him. So they get blown away. Rand, we don't know if he dies. I'm assuming he's going to die. Quinn definitely dies. Fuck him. And Mando basically rides off into the sunset with Baby Yoda, which Baby Yoda, we haven't talked about enough. I should say a couple things about Baby Yoda. Mm -hmm. There's one scene when they're landing. Where, remember when they first discovered Baby Yoda? And Baby Yoda falls on the ground. Did your heart stop? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I almost cried, dude. I don't like to see Baby Yoda in danger. What's up, Milhouse? You got something to say? Do you know why Baby Yoda is so important? Why? 
Well, the Yoda race is extremely, extremely rare. There's only one other character besides Yoda that's in that race, and it's Yaddle, and she's on the high uh, Republic democracy or whatever. They have, and uh, they're Force-sensitive, right? So Yeah, so they're extremely Force-sensitive species. I think they're called... Yandi? No, they're like Tridactyl something... They're, they're, they have there's some Look it up. nerd name. So would gr- uh, so would Baby Yoda be like the third of their race? Yeah, Baby Yoda's well, the third that is known. Wait, how do they make more Yodas? There, do they fuck? Not it's not known, but they live up to like nine hundred years. Yeah, because Baby Yoda, they say at one point is fifty years old. Yeah, so but he's still a baby. Uh, wait, 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 so do Yodas fuck or not? I mean, I don't know. I are they asexual? Does Yoda get laid? <laughs> It's By the a, way, every Star Wars needs more sex. I'm just going to throw that out there. Don't you agree? Absolutely, More dude. banging. More titties. More banging. More t- always more titties. If there's an option between more titties, less titties, don't ever say less titties. Don't ever let me catch you saying less titties. So it, it's known in, in like the Star Wars community that they're called... The Star Wars community. Okay, keep going. <laughs> no, keep going. That they're called a tridactyl. Oh, that's that, their that, race? Yes, that's what a lot of people have called them in the past. But do they bang? Probably. Pro- oh, I, would say. I bet you could find videos. Oh, online. Yoda porn? Yeah, Yoda oh porn. Fuck God. yeah, dude. Do you think Yoda chicks have big titties? It's a question for Millhouse. Do they have big tits? Or no tits? Maybe they have a weird, like, they have weird, like, mental sex. You know what I mean? Like the Coneheads? Yeah, maybe it's something like that. I can see that. So, yeah, I will say Baby Yoda, he falls at one point, And, you know, my heart stopped a little bit because I love Baby Yoda. Well, at the end of uh, end of this season, too, there's that great scene with the two um, stormtroopers that are on the bikes. Oh, yeah, and they're hitting Baby Yoda. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're yeah, hitting yeah. Baby Yoda. You know who one of those stormtroopers is? It's uh, Jason Sudeikis, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I knew that. I think the other one was someone, too. I can't remember who it was. But, uh so yeah, uh, Baby Yoda. Oh, and then there's the the zeros about to kill him, mm-hmm. and then my heart stopped again, and then Mando killed him. Which Baby Yoda is fucking genius. This is why John Favreau. I'm not saying I love every movie John Favreau makes, but the dude is a fucking genius. Well, something interesting about this with the marketing that I saw is when Donald Glover, aka Childish Gambino, aka Lando Calrissian. Uh huh. Um, when he first saw Baby Yoda, he told John Favreau, "Save that as a surprise for the show. Don't put it, put him in any of Gen- your marketing." Genius. Oh, another thing we should say is, uh, I believe it was Werner Herzog who convinced them no CGI, because their plan was they had this Baby Yoda puppet, and they were like, "But if it looks fake, we're just going to replace it with CGI. We'll mainly use CGI." And Werner Herzog, you know, German fucking hard ass that he is, he was on set because he was in two episodes and he told them that you're pussies if you don't use this puppet. And I mean, if Werner Herzog calls you a pussy, whatever he's saying you're a pussy for not doing, you fucking do immediately. Uh, So, yeah. And then uh, we should say uh, as Mando's riding off into the sunset, very Western-ish. Uh, he gives uh, this little ball on the top of one of the the steering that he tries to play with earlier in the season. And he's like, that's not a toy. And he gives it to, to Baby, Baby Yoda. Yoda. And then we also see Mayfield, Berg, who's somehow alive. And, he's in bad shape, though. And Shion, uh, they're in a, a prison cell. Yeah. So they're going to prison because he left them there for the New Republic soldiers. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, that's the episode. But what, so Mando, you love, right? Yeah. I love, I, I think it's a, a great piece of pop entertainment. Yeah, for perfect. sure. I, I love the fact that it merges so many different influences and things together and it kind mm. of throws back to what George Lucas was originally inspired by. Mm-hmm. And you can really feel it in the show. And this, I'll say too, going back to the genius of John Favreau, George Lucas hasn't really made it made it known how he feels about the new Star Wars, but he has said he doesn't really agree with the direction of them. He, he stopped short of talking shit about them. Mando, he's visited the set like multiple times. And he he's, says he loves it, right? Yeah, he loves Mando. He also said he likes Solo. So fuck anyone who says I'm an idiot for liking Solo. But the mainline stories, he's mainly kind of been like, eh, you know. Not what I would have done. but Because it's rehashing what he's already done. Yeah, but Favreau, genius. Because Favreau, I, can't, I, I would want to see this pitch. Because he probably came in and he's like, look, this dude who looks like fucking Boba Fett, this baby Yoda, put them together, boom. Genius. Well, we also have to give him credit too. He was really the person who kicked off the MCU. Yeah, and again, whatever you think of those Marvel movies, I mean... They're a significant piece of film history now, and they never would have happened without John Favreau. Because yep. yep. can you imagine if those movies kicked off with Iron Man, which is why they're successful? If they had kicked off with Thor, if they had kicked off with Captain America, or any and they others, built it up for a while too. Yeah, and, and it he was, was like him. the first glimpse into that. And I think if they had kicked off with a different movie, it wouldn't have worked as, as it wouldn't have been as big as it is. So yeah. John Favreau is a genius, and I do I do miss the old John Favreau who did like Swingers and stuff because he he's great when he goes small, but at the same time, I mean, fuck, dude. He, well, this is a, a very there's the whole arc of Baby Yoda over this season and him being on the run, but each episode is like a small story yeah, this into is, that of just like having to do all of these things to be able to keep baby yoda yeah mando is a perfect again I'm a, I'm a big john favreau fan i love swingers i love made i love a lot of the early stuff he did then he was doing like jungle book and lion king and stuff which were uber successful i just didn't have a lot of interest in them this is kind of the perfect mix of old favreau and new favreau because there's a lot of humor in the show too yeah you, oh it's got that favreau sense of humor it never goes full star wars you know what i mean yeah and you know favreau's the reason that people like bill burr get absolutely because <laughs> bill burr's not the only uh good guest star. i mean uh season two we almost did an episode with timothy eliffin and it had another dude from D- deadwood it was a deadwood reunion there's a lot of great fucking actors in this show mm-hmm. but yeah i love it i mean it just finished its second season i know they're doing a third season which i don't know what it's going to be about because ba- basically the baby yoda story seems done by the end of season two um and boba fett comes in and which i think it's show. unnecessary to do a whole boba fett tv show uh, I, when, I'll say this cause I have watched season two when he came in, there was kind of a feeling of like, well, we don't really need this. But then at the same time, I was also like, this is awesome. Really? This is Boba Fett kicking. I ass. haven't, I haven't seen the, the episodes yet, but I'm just like, you already have the character of the Mandalorian. But at least the good thing is they, I mean, look, when I was a kid, my favorite, like many people, my favorite fucking character was Boba Fett. And then oh, yeah. in the prequels, when they introduced Jango Fett for a second, I was like, fucking metal, dude. You know what I mean? And Attack of the Clones. He's really only in a few episodes of season two, and it's all to set up his show. And I will say, when they set up his show, it is pretty badass. It is like, that's going to be fucking awesome. So I feel like Favreau was just like, look, man, 
people have been begging for Boba Fett. Let's just give it to him. You know what I mean? So it is low hanging fruit, but I'll take it. You know what I mean? You got something to say about Boba Fett, Milhouse? Who's your favorite Star Wars character? You Star Wars nerd. I don't know. Jar Jar Banks. That's a hard one. (laughs) Definitely not. Dude, uh, sorry. Sorry to cut you off. Let me say this real quick, though. There is that great Bill Burr scene where he brings up Gungans. Oh, yeah. He's, he's making fun of the way Gungans talk. Yeah. Because that's what Jar Jar Binks was, yeah. right? Yeah, because he goes, because uh, they can't see Mando's face. He's like, what are you, a Gungan under there? And he starts speaking stupid like Jar Jar. <laughs> Go ahead, Milhouse. What were you going to say? I don't know who my favorite character would be. Obi-Wan? I would say maybe Obi-Wan, yeah, from the prequels. Might be my favorite. What about original trilogy? Original trilogy, Han Solo, dude. Come on, Han Solo definitely is up there. I mean, it's it's hard to to beat him when it comes to the original trilogy. Who are your favorites? Um, I would probably say from the original trilogy, Han Solo, and then Obi Wan in the prequel trilogy. Yeah, I would still go Boba Fett. I just loved Boba Fett. I loved his look. It was Boba Fett. By the way, I know a little Star Wars nerd trivia. Do you know what? Boba Fett was introduced in Millhouse. What? The Star Wars Holiday Special. Oh yeah, yeah, I knew that. Oh, yeah. you knew that? Really? Have you seen the Star Wars Holiday Special? I've seen bit. I've seen people talking about it. And it shows clips. It, it seems insufferable I, to sit through. I, I, I have it on VHS. Oh, you have it on VHS? Yes. That's fucking funny. You can find it on YouTube. Yeah, it's on YouTube, but I have it on VHS. Uh, just be stoned. Be it looks terrible. Be stoned as fuck when you watch it. It's so bad. They basically film it like on a fucking like video camera. Yeah. Like I'm talking home video. Taylor's camera. Off, old iPhone looks better. Yeah. Like quality. <laughs> but yeah, that's how Boba Fett was introduced. Yeah, I'd go Boba Fett was my favorite, or it would be Han Solo because Boba Fett's in the fucking movie for like ten fucking minutes. I don't. I don't What's necessarily up? think that having Boba Fett's own show is low hanging fruit because you like at the same time like you don't get a lot of Boba Fett in like the original well, series. That's so what I'm saying. It's like we don't get to see all of his backstory necessarily and there's all probably a lot of shit that he's That's done. what I'm saying. And like it's in the books but like you know it'd be cool to see it in the show. And the cool thing about the Boba Fett they bring here, this is what I, I like cuz I again, we grew up with the the prequels. So I I'm not about the hate hate that the prequels get. And I saw your little dirty look when we were talking about the prequels Millhouse. I saw it. Don't deny it. So Boba Fett, his backstory, as far as I'm concerned, tell me if I'm wrong, Milhouse, is that he is a clone of his father, Jango Fett. Mm-hmm. So the actor who played Jango Fett in Attack of the Clones, it's the same fucking actor in um, Mandalorian playing Boba Fett, which is awesome. And he comes in, and he's just looking rough as fuck, bro. He's not in good shape. His face is torn to shit. But yeah, I, I loved it. I loved when they... Basically, his setup is, I mean... He kind of visits this old boss who turned on him and kills him. He's like, I'm taking over this town. I'm like the mob leader now. So it's awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for that. I can't say I'm excited for many Star Wars movies, but... The TV shows are good so far. The TV shows are good so far. Mandalorian, Jon Favreau's fucking killing it. And more Bill Burr. Every Star Wars needs more Bill Burr. Oh my fucking god! You don't know that song? I might know it. Drop it like it's hot. Yeah, yeah by Snoop Dogg. Oh yeah, okay. I probably heard it. 
You don't like it because it's black artist. Oh, no, right, that's not. Right. I forgot oh he had a problem God. with. Yeah, that's not true. That's not true. <laughs> I like some of Snoop Dogg's stuff. Like, what, what? do you like? Uh, Young, Wild, and Free. That's a good song. You heard that one? That's a bad pick, dude. That's a great song. There's so many other songs you could have could have said. All right. The next episode. You know that one? No. Da 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 da. Don't. That's don't, mostly. Don't, oh don't, yeah. Dre though, right? Don't don't. No, it, it it. Well, it's like uh, it's off of the Chronic 2001. Yeah. yeah. But it, it's a doc. It's a Dr. Dre album, but he basically just features a bunch of. Yeah, I know. But a bunch of guests. Pick one we haven't heard by Snoop Dogg. I don't think I can. Do you know Ain't Nothing But a G Thing? Baby. Yeah, baby. yeah, I know that song. My Medicine, that's a good one. I don't know. I think I it's technically one. a cover, but it's really good. It's just him talking about being a piece of shit drug dealer. Have you heard uh, any updates about Dr. Dre? Do you know what's going on He's with him? He's good now, apparently. <laughs> yeah. I just... he, he made an Instagram post. Did he? That's what did he yeah. say? It was He's... like, I'm all good now. Thanks for like the support yeah. or whatever during this. And they just kind of gave an update. That's what I Damn, saw. Damn, dude. We can't lose Dre, dude. Fuck with D- Dre Day. I know. You know who else we might lose this year? Who? I don't want to bring you down. Jeff Bridges, dude. Oh, yeah. He's got cancer, man. Pancreatic cancer, right? Yeah. I don't know. I've seen some stuff about him. He's keeping positive, but... When he originally posted that, he posted... Uh, he said some new shit has come to light. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and they asked him if... Uh, like, this was a long time ago. If he was only remembered for playing the dude in the Big Lebowski, he said he'd be fucking yeah. delighted. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Who else has some... Oh, uh, well, this is a hot potato, but Rush Limbaugh, too. Oh, yeah. Probably definitely going to lose him this year. Yeah. I saw he said something about he has a date now from his doctor. He just didn't say what it was. I wonder if he's still chain-smoking cigars right down <laughs> to the fucking end, dude. <laughs> Probably not, but it's sad, man. It is sad. Anyone getting cancer is sad, except yeah. like, you know, child molesters. <laughs> Why don't they get cancer, you know? <laughs> cancer should be exclusively for child molesters. I agree, I agree. Like, why should Jeff Bridges get cancer? It's unfair. It's very unfair. How does the world work like that? I don't know. It's a bitch, Millhouse. It is. The world's one big pile of shit. This podcast is produced to you by Taylor Miller.